welcome to a very special episode of In Check with Fintech brought to you live from the Money Pot at the world's biggest, most influential gathering of the global money ecosystem, Money 2020 USA. Today we have the absolute pleasure to be joined by Pamela Novoarelli and Frank Young. Pamela is a dynamic leader in the fintech industry, renowned for her role in driving transformation and innovation. Her unwavering passion for redefining the movement of money, coupled with her extensive international experience in banking, payments and SaaS, has established her as a distinguished leader. As a Hispanic woman, Pamela is committed to fostering diversity and empowering individuals to reach their full potential. Her competencies span across encompassing B2C and B2B financial products, cloud transformation, innovation, product-led growth and overall business management. Currently, as SVP of Product at Proof, Pamela is deeply immersed in Proof's expansion into the SMB market, growing their network by expanding their use cases to now validate businesses and enable smooth account opening, transforming what used to be a very outdated process into a beautiful digitally first one. Our second guest, Frank Young, is a 35-year veteran of the fintech space and currently advises private equity and B2B SaaS software firms in the role of embedded fintech in the digital economy. He was most recently an executive with global payments in a wide range of roles, including oversight for their portfolio of integrated payments businesses, leading 3,300 employees globally. He also served as chief product officer during the period where global payments grew its market cap by eight times in a five-year period. Prior to his time with global payments, Frank led the worldwide payments partnership team at Google. Earlier in his career, Frank had positions with Qualcomm, MasterCard, Accenture, and the Chase Manhattan Bank. Enjoy listening. Great. All right. Well, welcome both to a special episode of uh, In Check with Fintech. We are live recorded from the Money Pot at uh, Money 2020. Uh, the topic of today is thriving in times of uncertainty. Uh, I think over the last couple of years, let's say, we've been through an interesting time, specifically within Fintech, but even more so maybe over the last 12 months where a lot has happened. Um, for me, it started all, I think, in September last year with Klarna announcing their first round of layoffs. And I think that's when the wave kind of set in. Um, so yeah, these 12 months have been super interesting. It's great to listen to you guys today on what your perspective is, but I think we'll spend probably the most time of what the next 12 months look like. I'm hoping for an answer you're gonna give me of what the tw next 12 months look like, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see if we all agree uh, around, uh, around this table. But before we start, maybe um, it'd be great for the both of you to shortly introduce yourselves. Pamela, do you want to start? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am Pamela Novoa Riley. I am a product leader. I have about 15 years of experience. Half of that is in banking, and then the other half in SaaS and tech. I Currently, I am the SVP for product at Proof, which is a, an identity network. Great. All right. Thank well, you for having me. Thank you for being here. Frank? Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to be here. So Frank Young, I spoke at the first Money 2020 in 2012, so didn't do everyone, but I've uh, been around for a while. I've been in fintech for 30 years. I recently left an executive position at Global Payments uh, based in Atlanta, where I had a range of roles as chief strategy officer. I was the president of their vertical market software portfolio. Uh, and was head of product for uh, for several years. But prior to that, Google, MasterCard, uh, Accenture, Qualcomm, and Chase were all in my in my resume somewhere. So you could probably date how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go into that uh, today, but uh, great. I think we have a lot of uh, fintech years of experience or payments, even years of experience around the around the table. So that's uh, so that's good. So yeah, yeah. Like I said, maybe looking back at these past twelve months, right? There's been Definitely, I'd say uncertainty. That's how I would describe it to what happened to fintech and the global economy in general, not just in fintech, but it's been 
an interesting dynamic um, as coming from a talent point of view where there's remains a scarcity of talent, but still there is layoffs being done uh, and a huge pressure on the uh, fintech and, and global economy in general. Um, Pamela, one word that would describe these past 12 months for you. Prioritization. I think we are done or we can no longer afford to make everything a priority because if everything is a priority, nothing is a priority. You can see businesses doubling down on things that they know will get their ROI. They're pulling back on geographical expansions and extensions onto the product line and really going after doubling down on the customer pain point and what they know they're good at. Great. All right, Frank, same question for you. Yeah, the, the one word that comes to mind is turbulent. And uh, I don't know if anybody could disagree with uh, with that. And then I was thinking, is there any time that's not turbulent? <laughs> yes, exactly. But the past 12 months have been particularly at the, at the macro level, you know, coming out of a pandemic, the global conflicts, the global trade tensions that exist, you know, at the very, very high level. But then even down into the company level, fintech in general, you know, most companies, many of which were flying high two years ago, are now, if they're in the public markets, trading at, you know, five-year lows. And it's it's really not clear how they're going to work their way, uh, how they're going to work their way out of that from, from a fintech perspective. And then from an individual perspective, most companies have gone through some belt tightening, some cost efficiency efforts, the turbulence even down at that level. And uh, I think that's putting a lot of stress on society in general, obviously at, at that level, on companies, and then even at the uh, individual level. Uh, and maybe uh, maybe we'll have some time to talk through some tactics on how to manage through those those kinds of times. Definitely, yeah. Is it something, I guess, maybe, Frank, let me, let me ask this question to you first. Is it something you've seen before? Do you draw similarities? I mean, you've been in this, you said, for 30 years, right? I'm sure you have been, like you said, you've been for turbulent, time, turbulent times. Have you seen anything like it before? Is there a similar period in time? Yeah, so in, in my professional experience, uh, the dot-com bubble bursting in the 2000, 2001 period, the, the mortgage crisis in 08, 09, uh, and this one were all really turbulent times, but this one's different. This one seems, it almost seems like society's undergoing a significant shift, you know, socially, economically, politically, uh, business. So I think there are similarities in those times. And so the, the takeaway from that was a famous line that my mother was very uh, fond of saying is this too shall pass, right? When you're in the midst of it, you never think you're going to come out. Uh, but it will pass. And the important thing of that line is that it, it makes sense now when you might be feeling some dissonance and some some uh, turbulence. But when times are really good, try to remember that now, right? Because it'll pass uh, at that, that time as well. So yeah, there are some similarities to pass, but I think this one's different, but we will get through it. Uh, it may take a little bit of while, uh, take a little while, but Absolutely, that's that's what uh, progress is all about. Totally, yeah. I think um, I was uh, still a student when, I, when the financial crisis happened and when the dot-com bubble, I just went to high school, so I can't remember it that vividly, but uh, maybe when you were in that period, uh, thinking back, it was probably as it is now, at least for me, sometimes see the, for the forest through the trees, um, whereas if you look back at it now, you're like, yeah, it only took a couple of years and we managed through. 
And I guess it's probably that kind of experience that is uh, massively helpful to put big things in perspective. Maybe also talk about kind of tactics on what to uh, what to do with this uh, in a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Emma, any similarities you draw? Do you agree with Frank? Absolutely. I mean, I was, um, I remember um, I was an analyst at Barclays in 2006, 2007, and my lonely analyst pod sat to the window looking at all the layoffs and people walking out with their boxes in the streets. And I remember thinking at that time, because I, what am I going to do? And feeling that level of uncertainty but I had just started my career. I could see my bosses and my boss's bosses um, and the panic and the frustration at every day brought a new change and a new, um, a new level of uncertainty. But as Frank said, here we are. Yeah. And if we move past it and the industry flourish after that, actually. You know, it's probably worth clarifying that if you, if you took a step back and said, well, look at the environment, look at the stock market performance, look at employment, look at inflation. Yeah, inflation's here and rising rates are taking place, but this is not the depths of despair, right? But it there just feels like there's this bubbling up of uncertainty yeah. uh, that's really making us, uh, making this a, a somewhat challenging time. So I don't mean to compare this time period you know, to the to the people carrying boxes out of their offices. I don't see that happening, but there's certainly a shift underway that I think is very unsettling for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think the difference back then, as I remember it from indeed the boxes and people walking out, is at least now they can take those boxes and walk in somewhere else. Absolutely. Because there is still a lot of companies growing and there is still investment happening. And I think that's sometimes hard to see, right? We got so spoiled by these last couple of years where it was Funding was everywhere. Um, I think every day there were announcements of at least three rounds with 100 million plus. If you didn't do 20 or more, you didn't even you weren't even mentioned in the media almost. So, yeah, it's it's kind of again putting things in perspective, somewhat. Absolutely, and I definitely do think I agree with you. Funding is still happening. Investment is still happening, but it's been people are being more careful in their priorities and being more mindful about where they put their money and how they execute that. Yeah. So. Is there, if you think back in these last 12 months, specific changes you've made to yourself, to your role, maybe to, to the company that you were a part of, Pamela? Absolutely. Um, something that has always guided myself as a product leader has been this idea of removing friction from money movement throughout, from the moment that I was an analyst to where I am now, that has always been part of understanding the customer that I serve. And I had a front row seat when I was leading um, Buy Now, Pay Later uh, at the start of this yeah. to see what changes on risk and fraud and credit will do to that experience and that friction. So I actually made a conscious decision to go into an industry to look at identity and network to um, develop and deliver trust in that process. So instead of thinking, because I was part of the layoffs in, in, in January. Instead of thinking, what am I going to do? I actually took a step back and said, what would be relevant right now to add to that? Because the, the, the tides will turn. Yeah. And when they turn, I wanted to be prepared to deliver to the next level of innovation and investment. So I made a conscious decision to go into identity and network um, 
to then drive further development in that area of money movement. Great. All right. Okay. Wow. Frank? Yeah, you know, I think the putting the changes into into two buckets. One one is a bucket of adaptability change, you know, changes it, at all levels. So when I left Global Payments uh, eight, eight, nine months ago, I made a conscious decision to uh, take some online courses. I, I got a certificate in applied blockchain technology yeah. from, from MIT. And, um, and so that notion of continuous learning and adaptability is really important in this, in this time frame. And then execution. And so I took my 30 years of fintech experience and I've, I've uh, been advising startup companies. I've made some angel investments. Um, I'm advising private equity firms. And the interesting thing there is there's so much promise in financial technology. Everybody, we're all familiar with the term software is eating the world. Well, I think the role that fintech plays as software expands in its capabilities, especially in certain business-to-business verticals. Uh, Embedded fintech is a topic I'm incredibly passionate about. I think every business needs to be thinking of the embedded fintech capabilities. If you're a technology provider to companies, you may not even be considered a fintech today, but I would highly encourage you to think about how do I position my software platform to take advantage, not just of payments, but when you think about certain verticals, the concept of access to capital for whoever it is that I'm selling my software to is, so that puts you into the lending category. Buy now, pay later is another great example. Um, Disbursements, payroll services for employees, every company has uh, payroll. You know, there's a financial supply chain there. So it's an enormously uh, uh, exciting time to be in financial technology and the applications of what people have been focusing on you take a, open up your aperture and take a very broad view of the opportunities. I think you'll find that even in these times of uncertainty, financial technology, if you can adapt and if you can focus on uh, really capital efficient uses of your product platform, you'll find uh, great opportunities. If you can adapt, I think that adaptability here in the both of you, basically, right? You, Frank, you skilled yourself up. Pamela, you looked at, okay, what is relevant right now and adapting instead of mooring on, okay, I've been let go. Uh, you thought about, okay, where could my next opportunity lie? Talking about tactics, Frank, is there any tactics you see for our listeners, how they can deal in these times of uncertainty? Yeah, and I like the way you framed the original question of, you know, how can you personally do it? How can your companies, how can your products? I think, uh, number one, in times of uncertainty, it's really important to get back to basics, right? Focus on efficiency, focus on cost. Unfortunately, sometimes, many times, that translates to having to make hard choices about levels of employment and how people are working. Um, I, I think the debate is over around return to office. I think it is. I think, I don't know if anybody's still debating it or they've either made a decision that I'm going to force my workers to get back in or I'm going to adapt to a hybrid workforce. I don't know if there's anybody who's saying which one should I, if they're still thinking about it, I think that they've missed the boat. Uh, but you got to pick, right? And you, you have to position yourself and set your employees' expectations there. But, um, you know, for personal, I, I'm, I'm a huge, like even when I make hiring choices, I, I want to surround myself with people who have a passion for continuous learning. So coming to conferences like this and listening to podcasts like this, listening to speakers, 
uh, Harvard, Stanford, Coursera, great resources for free online content. If you're working from home and find that you've got some flexibility and adaptability and you're not taking advantage of free online courses to kind of sharpen your skills and, and broaden your perspective on a whole range of things, I think you're missing the boat. So I would encourage anybody listening to uh, to look at what's available and you may not have ever turned the rock over, but please do because it's an, an amazing amount of content that's free. Uh, you just need to find the time to go go do it. And that's that that's the key to adaptability is continuous learning. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Yeah. What is. Yeah. Yeah. Pamela, any other tactics or tips you could think of how people can thrive in these kind of times? I agree with Frank around the area of profitability. I think that particularly in the area of fintech, two, three years ago, it was all about scale and volume at whatever cost. I think that for the next 12 to 18 months, at least, if not for longer, we have to be very mindful on the cost and the return of investment and make prior, particularly in the area that I am at and in products, how do you actually prioritize? How do you deeply understand your product, your customer, your channel, your channel, I'm going to say that again, um, to understand the end-to-end cost and the return that you're going to get when you make those decisions. That leads me to the second point, which is the personal point of how we now need full-stack individuals. Unless you are in an area that is very niche and you can really deeply specialize, your skills have to go full-stack. You have to be able to know if you're a product leader, you have to understand the channel, you have to understand marketing, you have to understand financials so you can make a lot of decisions and therefore your ability to skill up and invest on those, on those, on making yourself full stack, it's really important. I'm actually just signed up um, to a course myself on uh, product management and AI because I recognize that the world is is changing, will continue to change. You need to come invest in delivering, in upskilling yourself. And then lastly, I think the role of the board and the shareholders has changed already. That discussion and that um, interaction of a board that is very consultative, very hands off, and they go and they listen and they pat you in the back, that's gone. Or and it will be gone for the next 12 to 18 months. They're a lot more involved, a lot more hands-on. They want to see prioritization. They want to see return of investment and that you are making risk-based, that you're managing risk in your decision-making. So I think your ability to manage your board, manage your shareholder, manage your investment is also another area that leaders need to scale up. Frank, do you agree? I mean, you advise several PEs, VCs, you... Uh Angel invest in several companies. Has the role of the advisor changed? Absolutely. Well, you know, the nature of the advice, I think, has changed. I agree wholeheartedly with Pamela that there was a point at which, you know, growth and scale was key, right? Uh, I think they even, out in Silicon Valley, they had come up with a term called blitz scaling. And that's where, when money was free, the ability to spend money on marketing to simply get the market share that would establish the moat around whatever business was very important. But in this environment, I I really think capital efficiency is the most important thing that companies need to be thinking about. And so growth is always important. If you're not growing, you're dying. And so where that growth is coming from, it's not going to come from big marketing budgets. 
it's not going to come from, you know, blanketing a a market with uh, sales and business development people. It's going to require you to look at logical extensions to assets that you've already created and look for that incremental sale. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, that notion of uh, capital efficiency is uh, is really important. And that's what I find a lot of the companies that I'm advising looking to fintech as an easy add-on. Uh, and us in payments know nothing's easy. Uh, but, you know, cross-selling a financial relationship to somebody so, who already has installed your ERP system for whatever vertical you're operating is a really efficient use of capital. Yeah. If you look ahead then, next 12 months, Pamela, what do you predict? What do you think it will look like? History will tell us that out of every big recession, big innovation came up. Yeah. So I think we need to be on the lookout to see those early, early signs of where that innovation is coming from and learn and adapt and move forward. Uh, I definitely see that happening on the, so again, in every recession, you see barriers going up on access to financial services because obviously credit appetite goes down. And then you see UX and experience also going down because people start putting more barriers to that. Fintechs were born out of this problem mm-hmm. because big, big, slower financial institutions couldn't evolve. We're now here again we will definitely see something coming up. The NPL was there three, four years ago when it first came up. What, it, what else is going to come out to, the, to relieve that level of friction? Because it will always happen. It's systematically happened in the last 10, 15 years. So I am actually looking forward to see what comes up next. Nice, that's an interesting perspective. So innovation will come. Frank, what do you think next 12 months? Yeah, so uh, I think all the data suggests now that the economy's farming fairly well, right? But everybody, I, I believe there's universal recognition that 2024 growth will be lower than 2023. Whether or not it slips into recession, I think I saw this morning, the odds are about a 35% chance of a recession in 2024. But when, when I look at, um, you know, and I don't want to sound like Debbie Downer or somebody who's got a negative spin on things, but I was looking at different rates. Everybody talks about inflation. Uh, the cost of money in the form of interest rates for consumers has gone sky high. I saw retail credit cards, so these are not bank credit cards. The average APR at a retail credit card is 28.93%, right? So there's been amazing inflation in the cost of money. Bank credit cards, 21.2%. These are average rates on credit cards. I mean, this is this is a form of inflation. You know, your money now costs more money. Auto loans, 8.3%, were secured by the, the, the automobile itself. And mortgages at 8.6%. I saw that in the United States, in order for you to afford the median value home in the U.S., uh, requires an annual uh, income of about $120,000. And so that's putting, you know, home affordability out of reach for you know certain generations of the population. And so I think given the fact that these, these are today's costs, that it's clearly going to have an impact on economic activity in 2024, how big of an impact I think is, uh, is to be seen. But you really, if, you're, if your business is dependent on the health of the consumer, uh, I, I saw an interview today on CNBC with Frank Bizignano from Fiserv where he was saying the thing they're looking at, and I agree with this, 
is are, are the holiday sales results. The latter half of Q4 retail sales results 2023 will tell us what 2024 is going to look like because that'll be the first time we have the opportunity to really test how strong the consumer is. And if you know there's disposable income and there's excess savings, they're gonna deploy it for the holiday shopping season. But if you see them raining some, some of that in, it'll be a, a, an indicator that 2024 is either gonna be okay or it's gonna be really challenging. And so I've, I've got some concerns about the state of the consumers, specifically in the US. I'm sure this is similar in, in other markets around the world. Uh, and how that plays out, we'll, uh, I think we'll know here very shortly whether or not we're, we're going to see, see some deterioration or who knows, fingers crossed we, and I just did my fingers crossed for those listening, hopefully uh, we get a soft landing and are able to muscle through it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I'll take from that that hopefully 2024 will be at least okay and will be a recession, right? Uh, great, both. Thank you for being on the show. Pleasure to have you. Share some insights and some tips as well. I've written down quite some things, but I think the main theme I feel is adaptability. And after the adaptability, then prioritize what it is that you want to adapt into. Um, thank you for being here and enjoy the rest of the show. Excellent. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of In Check with Fintech. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the like button and leave us a comment below. We'll be having more industry leaders soon, so don't forget to subscribe as well in order to keep updated with the latest episodes of our podcast.